Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Burke, a landscape architect here in the Puget Sound region, and you are listening to the Green Meridian Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Green Meridian Podcast. I'm here with uh, my partner in crime, Bill Peregrine, and we are, we're actually at the uh, Green Meridian monthly video conference, and we're recording this thing to uh, just have a little chat about what it's like to go around the, uh, the dark side of the moon, the, uh, the Cape of Good Hope in a storm. Uh, every winter, all landscape companies, designers, specifiers, nursery people, Things get colder out here. They get rainier up in the upper left-hand corner. And, um, you know, you wonder if the phone's ever going to ring again. So that's what we're talking about today. Folks might be calling in to join us. And if they do, we'll introduce them and uh, we'll pick their brain and suck all the information out that we can and give it to you. So welcome uh, to the podcast. And uh, how are you doing there, Billy? Awesome. Yeah, you know, I was, I'm reminded as you were talking there that um, uh, coming from Chicago, where we have the winter time, uh, everybody, of course, back there plows, and that seems to be a, a popular thing now is the plow or the winter time here too. And I know a couple of landscape contractors that that do hundreds of thousands of dollars in plowing over the winter time. Uh, so it's actually a big deal to them. But for most of us, we're trying to make it up and figure out what's gonna, you know, how we're gonna make it through to uh, to March or April of next year. Um, and uh, when I was in Chicago, um, uh, they had the company I worked for was one of the larger companies in the country. Most of their guys came from the same family farm down in Mexico, and they would all take off, you know, from about Thanksgiving, and they would see them again, you know, about uh, uh, about Easter. And they would still work all summer long, and then they'd be gone again. So that that was one way is to cut your overhead. So um, you yeah, that sounds cut. like a dicey way to work, though. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I have I have an associate here who will go unnamed, who runs a pretty successful organic maintenance company with hundreds and hundreds of accounts. And he told me years ago he he introduced his employees to to the uh, rolling unemployment uh, temporary unemployment form every winter. And I thought to myself, how does somebody how do you get any loyalty from an employee that has to think that way? I mean, I'm going to lay you off every winter and you can go on unemployment. You know, it's a benefit. I'll, I'll help you. Well, uh, so what was the answer? How, how did he get it? Get you know, I think he just didn't have any choice. And he was trying to be creative and grasping at straws like a lot of us are. And, um, you know, you want to gather your acorns while you can and have a good stockpile for the wintertime. Uh, of course, depending on what you're doing. Uh, if we had Robert Hobart here from Brightscapes, who usually joins us, he goes full hog into the uh, Christmas lighting category and does it with uh, panache. Uh, although I, I, you know, I just cannot, um, I can't get my arms around that. I mean, I guess if you're a single entrepreneur, it sounds fathomable, but man, that seems like a tough way to make a living. I just can't picture my guys up on ladders in the rain working with electricity. In December, that's right. In December, right? Yeah. You can go no, wrong. Talk about Talk about the liability. I wonder if he has a different life. We, we need to get him on here to find out if he has a different liability insurance then. Well, he might he might join us. He usually does. But that said, uh, that's an outlet for some folks uh, doing huh. the winter 
the winter uh, seasonal lighting thing, which sometimes now is a permanent lighting arrangement that is just turned on and off and folks buy at one time, maybe with some simple repairs. Nice. Um, I worked for a firm years ago that had a company they called uh, Christmas to go uh, with the, with uh, uh, the P and G plant company in downtown Seattle, which was an interior escape company. And the folks there besides me went off to, create in harmony and botanical uh, designs and Camden gardens and a number of other uh, installation companies. But uh, every winter they would shift to hotel Christmas uh, decor and large Christmas trees, wow. uh, which was moderately lucrative, but just absolutely brutally time consuming uh, with night work. Cause you were doing it when, when they're closed uh, or these businesses aren't you know very busy and uh, just painstaking. And it felt ecologically, incorrect also because you're wrapping you know electrical stuff around these conifers and then they're basically in those days anyway they were just tossing them and uh you know and you can't you can't chip that material right right so uh it's just difficult i mean i don't know how people do it uh, some folks will uh simply wind down and close up shop uh Mark, the bamboo guy here locally he takes off for the south seas and does uh sailing as i understand it so you know <laughs> The heck with him, uh, you know. And what's he do with his employees? I guess he doesn't have many employees to begin with, so. I don't think so. And I think he just uh, says it fairly well, maybe, you know. But then you're hiring somebody new in springtime or late winter, which is, you know, uh, 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 a seller's market. And so, you know, it's hard to find people, especially skilled people. So Yeah, yeah. And yeah. What's, the quandary is how do we maintain revenue and uh, and keep our valued employees uh, and still a sense of, you know, harmony and, uh, and uh, loyalty. And at the same time, uh, uh, keep everybody employed at a time when things are diminishing. Right. You know, it's, it's tough. I mean, what, well, what are you, what are you doing? Well, as you know, I have a seat, my seasonal business is my organic uh, uh, application service business, you know, that we run from March through, oh, maybe middle of December or something. Uh, then I have guys that I need to figure out what to do with over the winter. But I also have the other side of my business, which is the, you know, the installation part of my business. So right now I'm looking for here we are September, almost October, and I'm looking for those projects that are going to be able to be worked in the wintertime that I can uh, ask the customer and tell them, hey, guess what? We're, we're set up to, to do your project in January <laughs> you know, or December, you know, so we can actually have these projects that we can, you know, install. But the other thing is, too, is. On the uh, service side of things, uh, I think part of our strategy is to look for additional services we can offer if we're not out doing the organic applications. And so part of it is I've trained my guys to do technical pruning services, which really nobody does. I mean, let me just put it this way. Very few companies do technical pruning services. And so the idea is, is yes, we have our normal guys out there that do all the hedging during, throughout the year. And then you've got the big tree guys that climb all the big dug firs and, you know, take down all the big limbs. We take care of the expensive plants on our customers' properties. You know, we, we go in and we, um, uh, we, I've trained them in technical pruning. They've done the plant amnesty um, uh, trainings. And uh, we actually know how to prune of all things. And it sounds kind of weird to be in this industry and say, Oh, we're a landscape company that actually knows how to prune, but, it is kind of a weird deal that we actually. <laughs> so explaining it to a customer, then I say, okay, so there's a there's a nice Japanese maple in your front yard there. That you know that's probably uh you know, what a 15, 20 year old tree, and 
And if I were to replace that for you right now, that'd probably be $15,000. And they go, holy smokes. I said, who do you want touching that tree? You want somebody to come in and just kind of shave the thing, you know, or prune it improperly and have to wait for it to be? Or do you want uh, somebody that actually knows what they're doing? So, but there's the challenge too, right? You know, if we say we know what we're doing, we better know what the heck we're doing. And you would say that it's it's somewhat easier for a smaller company that can kind of surgically uh, in company, maybe two or three people with, you know, individual work than it is for a larger company to do this kind of thing. That's, that's struggling with the, the turn. Well, it is because I think the larger companies have, you know, year round pruning services as it is, you know, they go in and they, you know, hack right. away at people's laurels and they hack away at people's trees. And, you know, I see a lot of it as far as the recycling. So what are they going to do in the wintertime if they're already, you know, kind of hacked away at all the plants during the year. Right. So, yeah, um, the snow thing is a is a big deal though. I mean, I've worked with a couple of companies in the South Puget Sound area, and the, actually both of them have said they don't really want it to snow. What they want is they want the ice because they to put down the ice melt is a huge business. Um, and when they start to, when it starts to snow, they've got to hook up plows to their trucks. You know, they've got guys out plowing you know all night long and. It's really not as lucrative as, you know, having the guys come in and they all pay their guys more money to come in in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's tough. I'm not nuts about folks laying down a bunch of salt on the ground and rinsing it into the water system, but I know that's got to be done. Uh, I, I think some, some companies can rest in a recurring revenue model where maybe they're, uh, they've got a contractual arrangement with, uh, for landscape care and, and so doing the, uh, it's it's kind of weighted to the winter where the thinking is if the if the contract if the agreement is successful then you're doing landscape maintenance throughout the year and it's it's significantly heavier in that first that cleanup in fall but then in the winter visit it's not nearly as demanding on labor and yet you're collecting the same fees for it um, but it begs the question of what happens when uh, uh, when a client might might cancel and I think a lot of uh, landscape uh, maintenance companies see a situation where a client cancels in wintertime because maybe they don't see the necessity for the service or don't need it as much. Right. Um, and, and with a strong contract that's enforced, then the client is obligated to make a prorated payment or to offer a significant amount of advance notice for the cancellation. So the client can still, so the, the company can still collect for that winter uh, overall. Right. Uh, we are joined by Rick Perry. Uh, with uh, that, that you have a nursery, Rick, and we're talking about uh, rounding the horn in winter. And uh, if you're if your speaker's on, I'm going to say this in advance because everyone who joins Zoom never has their speaker on. Um, that that uh, what what are you doing for winter? Are you just hibernating in a cave, or uh, are you uh, roasting your uh, your plants over an open fire and and eating them as they are? In terms that? of uh, in terms of the nursery, or in terms of landscaping? In terms of just getting it all done. Keep, do keeping, the, keeping your entire business rolling. We're just, we, we thought this would be a great opportunity first of October to talk about how landscape companies, you know, make it through to next March. Yeah. And then we're recording this for the podcast. So tell, tell, tell us for uh, briefly, uh, Rick, about your business and, and, and what you're doing so that people can put it in context. Uh, so we have a landscape design build company called Falling Water Designs, and we have a retail garden center specializing in aquatic water features uh, called Falling Water Gardens. And that's, uh, would you say there's a, there's a diminishment of demand in uh, wintertime? Uh, 
I would say in the old days, we had a diminishment of demand for landscaping, but now not so much. Now we're so booked up that people are just kind of like always waiting for us. So I expect that my guys will be quite busy in the landscaping right through. On the nursery side, there's a huge drop off. Most nurseries start laying off their employees on July 4th because people are like, oh, 4th of wow. July is done. Now we're, you know, they're, we're done. Mm -hmm. We're a specialty nursery. And because we sell, you know, pond supplies, a lot of people and aquatic plants and fish, a lot of people start their project and start digging a hole and they don't get quite done or they finally do get done, then they need plants and fish for it. And so our season for the nursery is a little broader than I think most retail garden centers uh, are. So uh, it doesn't slow down until just after Labor Day. And then after Labor Day just gets dead as dirt. And so what we do at the nursery is we are during spring uh, from about March 15th until September 15th, we're open seven days a week, 10 till six. And then in the after September 15th, we are closed on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Are you oh. adjusting your work for wintertime with some of your pond installations to say, you know, uh, you know, privately, maybe internally, let's, let's, let's book this one for November, December, the way this is looking, you know, versus uh, just, just setting the, the dates up in a normal way. Are you able to do that at all? Or you're saying you just booked out so far that folks start when they start? If it's a new water feature installation, it starts when it starts. We sometimes adjust because, you know, like we're also full service uh, landscape installation. We don't do any maintenance, landscape maintenance, but we do landscape installation. And like, you know, we have a couple jobs right now where we're putting in sod. And I'm like, holy crap, we got to get the sod in before the first breeze. So we're... Um, pushing those forward and push pond builds back we'll put a pond in the middle of we put ponds in the snow in january so mm -hmm. you know we'll keep doing that so that's yeah a, that's a thankless task <laughs> yeah. but, but what happens to your nursery people then do you do you lay them off or do they just work shorter hours uh uh all of the above um we have some employees that are older and work part-time anyway because it's like you know post-retirement work and so they don't mind having extra days off and then we have a few people who require full-time employment and if I don't give them that then they're going to go somewhere else and so then I just make no money <laughs> and keep right. them employed but we're getting tasks done so um it's a little bit of everything. And then, you know, I have a lot of young people that work for me in high school and they're back in school, so they don't really care anyway. So they're no, summer. So. And we have a number of people that are uh, due for longer vacations, not a lot, but um, but they'll take a month's paid vacation. It doesn't necessarily help payroll, but uh, but at least it's a less productive time when, you know, you can afford to have them not not working. So there's some silver lining there but it's it's just a tough i think it's just tough for people in general you know so yeah this good is, time to hire good time to hire people if you can do it because uh you know i think a lot of smaller uh design individual sole proprietorships you know they, they they see the writing on the wall and they're thinking you know what i don't want to go through this every year i'm going to go to work for a larger firm that's got more going on and uh you know, and that way I won't have to worry about this, you know, so, but then others, uh, 
you know, perhaps they're uh, more reliant on their significant other to uh, with with the tech job that's got no seasonality to it to to cover the the spread there. I don't know. So tough tough time though. You yeah. do anything special for uh, winter time, Rick? Uh, that that adds to revenue. Uh, Christmas uh, holiday, Kwanzaa celebratory uh, product. Uh, at the nursery, we sell Christmas trees and Christmas stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah. in the gift shop. So mm -hmm. that helps our December. So December mm -hmm. is actually our fifth best month of the year. Wow. At the nursery. Um, we uh, try to discount everything that's on display. We have like a lot of garden art stuff and it's on display at the nursery. And we mm -hmm. try to discount that like right now. So we don't have to store it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we don't. Uh, like on landscaping we don't offer any special deals or anything to keep people busy you know um the last time we tried to do anything like that was back in the recession when the world was ending and we were and every, i remember they started doing um uh rain gardens really big and we were like going door to door like i'd never done that in my entire life until the recession and we were hanging doorknob hangers for uh free you know, rain garden installations and stuff. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah you know, I, I I probably should have never started watching The Walking Dead right around then because it was just a little bit too close to home. That was around the time of everybody raiding toilet paper and the whole dysfunctional, discombobulated, injecting bleach mentality that the nation was undergoing. Um, too yeah. much, too much, too much madness to fathom. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Having been through that, I, you know, and that, that's a whole nother thing, but having been through that and maybe there's some corollary to wintertime. Um, I always characterize the, the, the recession uh, before the pandemic. I felt like I was hardened for the pandemic because of the recession. The recession to me felt like a fever. You know, I always call it the fever, you know, you're, 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 you're on the mend in 2013. Uh, you're still wobbly, you know, you're walking around in your bathrobe with your tea and, you know, close to the bed in case you need to sit down, but you're, you're, you're no, you know, you're never going to get that again. And because you've made all the moves and, uh, and then when the pandemic hit, of course, everyone was freaked out and who's essential and who's not. And, uh, and how come you're mowing and I'm not, and how come, uh, this or that we were selling blueberries. So we called ourselves an agricultural business, um, the, we sell fish, so we were a pet store because you could sell. <laughs> you, could sell you could you had you were essential to support pets. Yeah, <laughs> fish awesome. are not animals; fish are pets. It's amazing how self-justifying everyone becomes when the when the shit hits the fan, you right. know. But all that noted, uh, I was not as freaked out. I mean, beyond the PPP and the ERTC and all this other craziness, um, it didn't freak me out the same way. And I just felt like, you know, I guess you hear that from, uh, we know both, uh, we all know a, a, a well-regarded landscape uh, design build director of operations who's a survivor of cancer. And he told me, and I've heard this many times that, you know, in, in some ways it was of course a horrible thing that happened, but it, the new mental outlook that he gained from that uh, was something that was a gift. And, uh, you know, of course you have to survive it to say that, but but even so, I felt that way about about that. And I think it can be true, you know, in a in a minimal way uh, going through uh, the winter, you know, so 
could be. Just this morning, I had a discussion with a client, beautiful garden, taking pictures of it for our portfolio and stuff in the future. And uh, she opened the door, she had COVID and she oh. you know, had a mask on. She's like, stand six feet back. Well, you know, four years ago, three years ago, I would have run for the hills, you know? Right. And now we're walking around. She's got COVID, she's six feet away, um, you know? And I'm just, it's a, you know, flu-like uh, situation. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm deviating. So... Yeah, not 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 exactly like winter. Well, it's nice to be in a. I have to say, one of the things I appreciate about our industry is that we're in a seasonal business. So it's nice to you know kind of take it a little bit easier in the winter time. Even though as business owners, we are all wanting to know where that cash flow is coming from. <laughs> but yeah. uh, on the other hand, it's uh, it's nice to be really busy in the spring. You know, as things are starting to open up again. So, um, but it is hard. To figure out what yeah. uh, what we're going to do, I think everybody has their own little strategies. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're uh, we're all listening to the Green Meridian podcast on Spotify or your favorite platform. I'm here with Bill Peregrine and Rick Perry has joined us, and we'll be back in just a second. We're back. Yeah. We're back with uh, Bill Peregrine and Rick Perry. We're talking about uh, going around the dark side of the moon here with your green industry company and what it's like for you and strategies and ideas to survive that time, make the most of it, make lemonade out of lemons and uh, move on to a beautiful spring. So uh, you're gonna tell us your, your trade secrets there, Billy? Well, I think uh, uh, one company I worked for, one of the trade secrets was uh, as a service business, they did a lot of prepays in January and February. They were able to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash flow um, in January and February. Of course, they offered their customers discount, and they got all their they got all their money prepaid up front uh, for the year. So, um, in in um, the the issue that we all face is we all talk about um, you know what kind of profits our companies make. I've realized it has zero to do with profits. It has everything to do with cash flow. If you don't have the cash, you don't have the cash and you're out of business. If you can't play, pay your employees or your suppliers or somebody, then you're out of business. So uh, yeah, of course you got to sell your work for more than it costs you to install it. Uh, but it really, I mean, it can be, it can be more complicated than that though. I had a, a nursery manager who had a fiscal brain back in the day and um he came to me once and said, you know, we need to do, and, and we had a pretty positive cash flow at that time through the winter. And he said, you need to take out a line of credit and use it. And I said, well, why, why would I borrow money when I can meet my obligations? And he pointed out to me that he had done a study of all of our receivables and the number of uh, suppliers that would offer a 2% discount for uh, uh, payment within seven days was so pronounced that if we followed our the line, if we use the line of credit for that early payment and we made those payments, we would save about $50,000 a year after paying the line of credit during wow. the time. And also in so doing, build up the credit for the company. And so to some extent, we did that and gained some savings. But uh, have, have either, either of you done that where you've used a line of credit over the course of winter to kind of help to bolster the company and then paid it back the following year? Uh, no. No, I haven't. Uh, but I will have to say that on the same on that same note, the company I was working with that was doing the prepays, the whole idea of generating all that cash up front was they're able to buy their their uh, materials by the semi truck load instead of buying you know mm -hmm. short loads, uh, and 
getting much larger discounts. So I think the discount aspect of it was the same, uh, looking for a way to um, uh, multiply their savings. I How see. about you, Rick? Uh, no, uh, I, you know, um, Alan, the the line of credit thing, I, we don't have one. I, I, I wish I had right before COVID started, because if you had an, you know, a relationship with your bank, you got way better help with the all the um the right yeah that's true that's a good that's a good point yeah but i didn't because i just give the bank money to hold for me you know and i didn't i never needed to borrow so i had not and so i had no relationship with the banker and i was desperately trying to get all my ppp loan that stuff figured out all by myself and getting it all ready and getting it submitted and the money running out before I could get them to help me and, you know, all of that. And if I'd had a relationship with my bank, instead of them just keeping my money, I probably would have been doing better. What I do to get through the winter is we've just over many years, save, 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 save. And we just have enough money in the bank that I do watch it go down, 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 down all through the slow months. But uh, I kind of have a number where if it gets below there, I start to get a little nervous, <laughs> but it's budgeted where, we won't ever so um that's you know and it took me many years to get to that point you know it's not something that a startup guy is going to probably be able to do it took me forever to get that money in the bank but now do, I just, do you do anything different with your receivables or payables because of winter i mean like slow down your payables and kind of abbreviate your receivables to get uh no our receivables you know i always marvel at like landscape uh, installation companies that get like 50% up front and 50% at the end. I came from finance before I was a landscaper. I was a controller in all kinds of different industries. And my contracts are written where I get 50% up front and then I get um, partial payments as we're completing the project. They never owe me more than 10%, which is like the sales tax at the end of the job so that I don't really have receivables. And my, you know, we have, we do have some regular ongoing weekly maintenance accounts that we do pond pond maintenance for and, yeah and that's about our only receivable that we have outstanding even pond cleanings we demand payment at the time that we clean the pond mm -hmm. so my receivables is almost nothing um and so i just have a ton of cash and so i don't really like postpone payments to my vendors or you know anything yeah like that. I imagine in a pinch, a company might contact their payables and uh, uh, and 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 tell suppliers they're going to go net forty five or something like that instead of net thirty on on some of that. Um, but the line of credit uh, idea for some firms that are that are uh, cash positive at some other point during the year is a potentially a solid model. I mean, it feels counterintuitive, you know, because you're you're borrowing money when you're kind of slowing down. But if you use it to to if it keeps you afloat and you're reliably going to see an uptick in spring, which you know most are, uh, and in addition to that, you use that to pay off your uh, payables early, then it's possible if you actually did the math on that, you could gain some savings. We had one uh, rockyard we were paying close to two hundred thousand dollars a year uh, for for bulk materials. And the two percent savings was, you know, pretty significant, you know, uh, uh, to do that. Not the, not to mention that, you know, when things went a little bit south in the economy, they remembered that we were the folks that always paid early, you know. So uh, <laughs> it might get you, it might get you better terms that way. All right. 
there just aren't that many strategies to help, you know, carry, carry someone through winter when business is just going to slow. If you haven't, like you're doing, you're the, you sounds to me, Rick, like you're gathering your acorns and, you know, you're, 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 you're you've done that, you know, but I think a lot of folks don't uh, necessarily have the wherewithal or presence of mind to, to, to think that far ahead. So well, or again, if you're small and you're just starting out, it takes you a long time to get to that point because right. you're living right. hand to mouth. You know, it took me forever to build that nest egg. Right. But I just don't, I refuse to let it go because like you, I like, I barely made it through the recession. And right. during the recession, I was paying all my vendors late and freaking out yeah. about money coming in. And I just never want to live that again. And so I just refuse to not have enough money in the bank to go six months without any income. Right. Right, right. You know. Yeah. I think a good banking relationship, they'll understand that things are seasonal. But if a lot of companies go into their bank for the first time in, you know, October, you know, and project their November, December, January receivables, then uh, the bank's going to, you know, in some cases say, no, I don't think so. You know, so. Could be that if you have a lot of receivables, if you're like a maintenance company or something and you have a ton of people that owe you money, you could factor it maybe and, you know, give away a little bit of it, but you'd have the money to pay your rent. Yeah. Right. You know, a receivables company. I, I would like to emphasize your point on your contracts though, Rick, because uh, I've gone to something very similar to yours and, you know, our contract, our contracts, our proposals have multiple line items, you know, planting, walls, patios, et cetera. And so I've done this, the same kind of the same thing you're doing. It's uh, the contract says 50% upfront. And then uh, we have, we have the opportunity to invoice uh, as, as sectional work is done. So if we finish the paper patio, we can invoice that we can invoice these things as we go along. So we're not waiting for that customer that says, Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a second. You have this 50% at the end and you're not done yet. You know? Yeah, that's exactly how ours is as well. It says when the patio is done, this much money. When the pond is done, this much money. When the soil goes in, this much money. Yeah, and yeah. then they just have, and it's contractual in the contract. They have to send me the money. And if they don't, we'll leave. I've only had that happen once in the entire history of my company during the recession. And I could tell that my customer was just like, and then I really needed that money. And I could tell that my customer was just like that a business owner, just waiting for one of his people to pay him, you know? And, but I was like, dude, if we don't get paid, I'm taking the guys off the job, you know? And he was a repeat customer. And just in the very nick of time, like when I was like, we got to go because we can't keep working and not get paid. Sure. He paid us. So Wow. Yeah, but, cash flow again. I mean, small business owner. If you're a small business owner listening to this, it's all about the cash flow, keeping that money, keeping that. Yeah, money. I think it's a it's a it's a paramount mistake to not uh, not capture your revenue and design build as a progress payment. I talked to a business owner a number of years ago who did a couple hundred thousand dollar project and he was doing it 50 50. Uh, I don't even understand how someone can undertake that. But at that last 50 percent, the client just simply didn't pay. Yeah, right. Ended up owing him, I think, ninety thousand dollars, and they were wow. six months into it. And you know, you 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 have a lien uh, uh, on the property that can be placed only within a certain amount of time, and so you have to time yourself to that to make sure that you can collect it based upon that. And um, and you have to have made sure that you gave them all the right correct. forms with That's all right. the right yeah. verbiage yeah. and blah blah blah. And yeah. so I amazing each state will have a slightly different uh, uh, rule around that, but the model disclosure notice in the state of Washington is required, I think, for any uh, installation project, contracting project, a project of $1,000 or more. 
And uh, I would be surprised if uh, the majority of folks are even using it. You know, it has to be a separated form too. So I think of it like Mirandizing somebody when they're being arrested. You know, you have, you have the following rights. So, yeah. so you yeah, know. Seriously. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tough, tough deal. Yeah. But it's amazing to me how many contractors do that 50-50. And then, you know, one punch list item or something, and they're not getting paid all that money. And I'm just like, I'm just, I would never. So. Oh, yeah. So that punch list item that we came up with, uh, Jim Malone and myself uh, came up with this idea that um, at at the final punch list, at the final walkthrough, and it says the final work may may or may not, we may or may not generate a final punch list. Uh, uh, the client has the opportunity to withhold up to 10% of the entire contract until that punch list is done, meaning that they have to pay the rest of it <laughs> at, the, at that walkthrough and not hold out. Oh, no, no, you got to move that rhododendron one foot to the left. And uh, we're holding back 25 grand on you. Right. Yeah. No, that happens. I mean, it's almost all we've almost always got a client like that, even even though we have a provision in there that says 95 percent, 95. Oh, you have the same thing. 95. Yeah. But but in in so doing, you have to you have, from, a, you know, having been in a legal situation many times, you have to have a demonstrable track record noting that it's a punch list to the client. So it's relatively easy to get the client to agree to uh, an email that says we have the following items. Uh, that we are going to be doing for you as a punch list, and they'll say yes, and then and then basically once they confirm that, then you can trigger that billing, and they're obligated to it if you want to hold their feet to the fire. So, All right. Well, let's thing. let's summarize this uh, this podcast today, and I think what I've heard is, um, and certainly I've emphasized, is cash flow is king. Um, no matter how you go through the winter time, the dark side of the moon, you, you've got to figure out how to keep the, uh, uh, the, the money in the bank in some fashion. Uh, you got to keep your employees on. What, what have you, what's been your summary here, Alan? There's a lot of ways to do it, uh, but uh, the ability to exercise each of these things is predicated on the type of company that you have. If you're able to gather your acorns like Rick has, um, then, you know, it's not that there's no worries, but you at least got a little bit of a buffer to carry your employees over. If you've got recurring revenue and you're able to uh, contractualize the more profitable aspect of your business into winter, then maybe the you're, you're welcoming that, that slowdown. You could uh, make sure that folks take their more extended vacations for efficiency of labor. You could exercise a line of credit and use that actually to float your company if you're able to pay it off uh, during the warm season or perhaps pay off your billings and um, your payables and gain some uh, discounts on, on that as well. Um, there's not that much you can do, but there are a few things that, you know, folks need to have a presence of mind of it and they can't like suddenly uh, become aware of it, you know, on Halloween. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta head into this and know that you're heading into these turbulent waters and what to do. And Rick, do you have any final advice for our listeners today? Well, I think you guys kind of hit it all in your summary, but I would say, well, what I, again, I just try to save up as best you can, enjoy the slowdown so, you know, you can recharge so you're ready for spring and, you know, do everything you can to hang on to your employees because you're probably never going to get any more. <laughs> so, you know, that's how I look at it. Don't let them go because I don't want to start over in the spring. 
Yeah, we haven't really touched on uh, staying in touch with clients in general anyway. I mean, they're, you know, folks have a very good reason to slow down beyond the seasonal and horticultural aspects of it because, you know, families are in town, the holidays are here, you know, it's hard to think around, uh, you know, the, the, the December holidays, especially, you, you know, and um, companies close down. Uh, and it's just, and, and, you know, and here in the upper left-hand corner of the nation, the weather just tamps down all activity. And so uh, I can't imagine what it's like in Chicago or, uh, you know, in the North. You're waiting for the snow. snow. You're waiting for the snow in Chicago. You know, you're doing equipment maintenance, waiting for the snow. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, but uh, to emphasize your point, Alan, um, if you're a business owner waiting for December when things slow down to go contact your customers and see what work they may have over the winter for you, you're toast. No customer wants to talk yeah. to you after, yeah. you know, during the holidays, you know, no, that's you true. got to do it before Halloween it has to be October. You got to get out there while you're busy. Find out who has work for you to do over the wintertime. I don't know if this is anecdotal or not, but I have a feeling that, you know, we, we have a CRM a client relationship manager. That's pretty robust. We've been running it since the early two thousands with thousands of entries. And I, I believe that what happens in January, especially as, as soon as the holidays are over, you get a certain, in design build, you get a certain higher quality of lead that comes forth and that, that, that involves someone who's thinking ahead and wants to be ready for spring and has a moderately larger project to consider as opposed to folks that are calling about a, say a fall cleanup or something like that. And so, uh, no, the reason I was mentioning the, the staying in touch with clients is it's just always a good idea to be familiar and uh, to, to even though it's slow to uh, at least use your time to you know, stay in contact with people, not so much maybe to solicit them for work, but God forbid, but uh, but just to stay in contact. So good point, Alan, because I think those customers that contact us in, the, in January have probably done landscape projects before in the past, you know, have probably gone through a design process. Probably, you know, it's probably a lot easier sale to uh, to talk with them because they're not, you know, starting from from uh, an unknowledgeable base. You know, maybe so, maybe so. Gather up your designs if you're a designer and do those in the cold season, if you can, and maybe you've got a slate of work that can be implemented for springtime. Tough stuff. Yeah. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, and uh, good luck to you uh, here in during the holiday season. Don't uh, don't be don't be caught climbing a ladder in the rain, hanging Christmas lights, man. <laughs>